Welcome to my podcast, You Are Here For Now, a series of conversations inspired by my new book of the same name. I'm your host, artist and author Adam J. Kurtz. Each week on this show, I'll chat with some of the smartest, kindest, most generous, beautiful, amazing, talented people I know, and ask them about all of that being alive stuff that we don't always get to talk about, like passion, purpose, mortality, true love, defining success, mental illness, and figuring out what's next when you don't really know what you're doing. These conversations have already helped me so much, and I can't wait to share them with you. In this episode, I'm chatting with funny geniuses Aparna Nancherla and Johnny Sun about creative influences, managing professional anxiety, the importance of humor, knowing when it's time to make a change, and generally just like giving yourself permission to f- go for it. Aparna is a comedian and actress who plays Grace on Corporate, has a half-hour Netflix special, voices Hollyhock on BoJack Horseman, and is just extremely funny to me. Johnny's son is the New York Times bestselling author of Goodbye Again and the super popular Everyone's an Alien When You're an Alien 2. He was also a writer on Bojack Horseman, among other TV and film projects. Johnny and Aparna, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is so fun. That's really generous of you to say it's so fun because we're in like year two of the pandemic. And I feel like anytime <laughs> we hop on a screen to talk to people with headphones on, it's it's actually not fun. But I don't have a normal job, so I didn't do a lot of Zooms this year. Oh. I feel like I'm getting a taste of it now. I'm like, oh, this is Zooming. Yeah, no, I feel like I don't think I had the same amount of it as some people I know, because some people every day for work, they had to do it or pretty much every day. And I, I had more just like meetings here or there. Um, or like, I had a game night going for a little while. So I don't th- I don't think I had the same level of zoom fatigue that some people did. Yeah, I definitely was not like, I feel like I, I have writers who were in like zoom rooms. Um, mm. like writers rooms over zoom which sounds like a nightmare um, because like pitching jokes is hard enough in person yeah <laughs> and to like have it delayed and to like say it but then maybe your mic cuts out for a second or like there's a slight delay so you say it and you're accidentally cutting someone else off and it just it oh. wouldn't work oh it's like a nightmare of like no 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 you laugh okay right. okay thank you yeah. so here's the um I have like sort of an, an an icebreaker question, just like sort of my softball easy um, question. Have you ever been in love and is love real? <laughs> I like that, that that's this softball question is, is love real? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to start, start us off easy. That's all. <laughs> I believe in love. I think it, yeah. I mean, what would... Is, has anyone answered no? <laughs> I want to tell you that um, this is everyone's icebreaker question, but it's not. It's actually, oh, this okay. is my first time using it's just There's us. something about us, Aparna, that um, that Adam decided this. He's like, <laughs> maybe do one they of believe us in love? I can't tell. <laughs> I just was like, you know what? I'd love to, I'd love to know. Well, I think... I think there's something about the two of you, like the the way that you have found a way to speak about really... I don't know, like intense things like that. I'm like, I I have a feeling that you would have a good answer. And Johnny, like your observations about the world as told through the lens of like an alien or a bouncy house or like an anthropomorphic unborn egg, like 
you're you're famously very good at taking this sort of like <laughs> deep late night thinking and then translating it in a way that my like dumb dumb idiot brain can understand. Thanks. And and that's what I love about your work. So I was I was just curious. Yeah, like how how do you think about love and you know, is it real or is it a feeling that's real or like are parts of it real, but like as a concept, it's not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's real, but I think it's real because we make it real or like it's a choice mm. to make it real. Um, I think like a cynical version could be like, oh, this is just like evolutionary, whatever. Like we, we just have this because it's part of like our um, species ability to like continue to exist and procreate. Um which I think is true. <laughs> Johnny, then why am I doing it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, but I think there is that feel. Like, I, I think making the feeling, um, yeah, saying like, oh, this is a thing, and I'm going to decide that this is real, and I'm going to like put value to it. I think is, I think that's like the choice that you have in terms of like deciding what love is. Yeah, and I think. When I was younger, I think I always thought of love first and foremost in terms of romantic love. But now I feel like I'm a lot more just like I find love in just connecting with other people and like friends is where I usually find like a lot of love and not just with my partner. Like really any moments of human connection, especially after the past year and a half. But I think in general modern life can be so isolating and alienating so like genuine connection with people I always feel like that feels like love to me yeah I feel that way about it too I think like first and then romantic love is sort of like a sub category Mm -hmm. of it but when you think like when you think about not just the last year but in general like the way that people go out of their way and do these like transformational, like big gestures, or the really small stuff that you do for people, and they never know you did it. And you know, they for them, like it was just that way in their life. And it's love that led you to do that. Um, I okay, so I am wondering about a piece of art or culture that you have digested or experienced in your life, because, you know, each of you are are writers across different uh, mediums and, and are creating I think creating a lot of of culture that is special and representative and like, I don't know, uh, saying things like, like I hear things in your work that I feel like haven't been reflected to me before. And I feel so seen by that. And so I'm wondering if there is a piece of art or culture that you can remember um, that made you feel really seen, whether it was in a big gestural way or like a hyper specific little way where you were just like, oh, I think that. And it's funny to see it in whatever other form from an outside voice. Um, So what would that be? And then also, do you still feel the same way, you know, weeks, months, or years later? Yeah. Hmm. That's a great question. I think maybe going pretty far back to when I was a kid, like two, I was a big reader and I like, I mean, I love the escapism of books, but even within books, I loved like, alternate worlds and realities and I think two books I read early on was The Phantom Tollbooth um, that really stuck with me just like going to another world where like language and numbers and everything was kind of whimsical and absurd and I think I really that like influenced my sense of humor very early on and a similar book was um, 
sideways stories from Wayside、mm. School. Yeah,、um, just that like silly, absurd sense of reality. Like I feel that with life anyway. So it was really cool to just see kind of a heightened version of it, and like kind of a high level version of humor, but kind of delivered to kids in a way that didn't feel condescending. It just sort of was like you guys get it. Yeah, I feel like that was. I love Wayside Stories. I, I like. I feel like that was like that was like surreal. Like that was the first like surreal、yeah. comedy thing that a lot of kids that I experienced. For totally,、sure. me too. Oh man, it was so fun.、Um, I feel like my answer.、Uh, the first thing I thought of was Spirited Away,、um, mm. which I think I must. I think I saw that. I don't remember when it came out, but it, like I wasn't like a young kid by the time that came out,、um, but I was like a medium kid, I think. And so, like, I had ideas of what like animation could slash should be, just based on like watching like Disney movies and kind of like animated family movies. And I think Spirited Away really like broke me in a good way because it was it felt so much、um, like it felt like it really tackled. A, a lot of darkness and like yeah, a lot、totally. of emotion、um, in a way that wasn't head on. Like it was, conf- it's so confusing、um, as a kid.、Yeah. Even like watching it now, it's like it's so dense、um, and it doesn't like spell everything out or anything out for you. You're kind of just like, oh, I'm figuring this out as I go, which is perfect because that's how the little girl experiences the story too.、Um, but I think the moment at the very beginning when her parents turn into pigs. Um, and it's just like it's terrifying and so like dark for a kids movie or like for an animated movie because I don't think it's necessarily a kids movie. But I think that moment I was like, oh, this is like this somehow speaks to some like like fear that I have as a child that I like had never been able to like articulate、um, this idea of like not being able to. Have your parents forever, or maybe not being able to like protect your parents,、um, mm. which makes me think of. Sorry, I'm like just stream of consciousness thing. No, no. I just that's I what just... we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great.、Um, I I was just thinking, you know, the way that you said kids movie and then sort of self corrected. I think that Spirited Away in particular was like sort of a crossover animated film for a lot of American kids,、mm-hmm. where we had been raised on like, oh, 2D animation means like an animal will tell us. The story before it starts, and then you saw Spirited Away, and it was like, oh, mom and dad are pigs now, and like, there's a lot of creepy stuff, and also like, a lot of kids' movies, like, you know, you watch it ten times because you love the story, but with Spirited Away, like, there's more to see every time you watch it, and, um, yeah, but I yeah, love. Yeah, I just saw Spirited. Sorry to interrupt. I no, please. Spirited Away for the first time. I just watched like a bunch of. Miyazaki films for the first time, and they're incredible. Like I feel、yeah. bad I came to them so late, but at the same time, it's kind of cool when you watch something way after everyone else because you, it's like you get that delight for the first time. It's nice to like、um, digest a piece of culture like that later because sometimes、mm-hmm. when you see when you see a film in the first year, like you have to have a formed opinion, and then you have to have like a contrarian opinion to like. You know,、uh, sneak、yes. into whatever group.、Mm-hmm. Ch- it's like this. You just got to like experience it fully and like very beautifully. And I also was late. I just, 
grew up kind of sheltered. And so I think I saw Spirited Away and that was like one crossover. But I feel like IFC Center is always like doing marathons Mm -hmm. of his films or special showings. And like I saw Kiki's delivery service in the theater, like by myself with popcorn. And it was just so great. And really, like, wonderful representation for, like, um, hunky, like, bakers. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's really something for everyone in Miyazaki films. Except for, like, the airplane one. I I didn't feel that it had enough hot guys for my taste. I don't think I've seen that one yet. I think it's, like, a more recent one from his studio. Okay. Yeah. But it was sort of beautiful in that it like digs into his obsession with with flight and planes and aviation. Like oh, cool. like to reach a point in your career when you can make something that is like incredibly specific and basically just for you is pretty <laughs> special. I, I know. It. Maybe that's the dream. You're like, this one is just for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think so. I think that each of you is sort of living a dream, you know, if not your specific dream, like uh Aparna, like you, I think, have a career that many comedians would be so um, excited by and envious of. And Johnny, multiple books, and very recently a New York Times bestselling um, artist and author. My question is, like, how did you get here? You know, and I know that's a stupid question, but uh-huh. but I, I think that many, many of us, like, see people succeed and we're like, wow, that just came out of nowhere. They just popped up, like... An overnight success and I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that one because like I'm working through being a jealous person and two because you want to like uh, see people that seem like they've they've achieved a dream and then figure out how and I just wonder if there was like a, a, an intentional path if it's like a surprise to you too if there were moments along the way where you were like actually I'm at a crossroads and I can pick this career thing or not um yeah, if you have any information or anecdotes or thoughts, <laughs> anything really at all, and I'm just going to, like, soak it in. Yeah, I, well, I also relate to being a jealous person. I feel like I deal, a, I struggle a lot with comparison and, like, sort of, yeah. I have to focus on just eyes on my own paper. And not, I think, because I'm, I don't think it comes from a place of pure jealousy of, like, I want what other people have, but... I think it's more just like being a kid of immigrants and like really wanting to fit in and constantly yeah. like gauging what people around me are doing to be like, I need to make mm. sure I'm like blending in okay. So uh, I have to make sure I like I'm doing what they're doing. And then that I think trailed me into just career in that I often have trouble making my own goals or for a long time I had trouble kind of being like, I want this and I deserve this and I should go get it where rather than just like waiting for other people to give me permission to do things. Um, like stand up, I think was the first thing that I sort of like was the creative driver on and like showed up on my own and kept doing it on my own. But I think in terms of like jobs, uh, in terms of like shows and other people hiring me, I was like, more nervous to seek that out rather than wait for them to come to me and now I kind of am like oh there's no one like ever stopping you from like asking for things and there are so many people who aren't afraid to ask for things like you should try to sometimes ask for things um so that 
I don't know if that's a satisfying answer, but I do found like find that a lot of my career I've sort of meandered into rather than being like I wanted this and now I'm here. Yeah. Well, when you say meandered, do you mean like you kind of were like doing your own thing and then like opportunities arose? Like, do you feel like a lot of people like kind of like were like we want you for this now? I think so. I think it was a combination of factors of like doing stand up and that kind of opened a few doors. And then like the first show I ended up writing on was like a show created by like a people where a person where a bunch of people I knew were friends with him. And then they all wrote for the show. So it was almost like a confluence of both career and just like personal relationships. So it worked out in that way. And I have found that is often the most creatively fulfilling when you do get to work with just people you enjoy being around anyway. Like that kind of feels like my overall mindset now of like, I just want to be in environments where I feel like happy to be there and, and like stimulated by the people around me. Yeah. At a certain point, work is work is work. And so if you don't have Mm -hmm. that part built in, even if it's like your dream work, you're going to eventually hate it, I feel like. Yeah. Or or it just won't be special anymore. I don't know. But it sounds also like when you talk about asking for things or, or even just showing up and being like, hello, I'm here, like I'm available. That to me does feel like a really intentional choice and a shift mm-hmm. to just yeah. be like, hey, I'm I'm actually doing this thing already and I'm very, you know, I'm nearby. Like if you want me to <laughs> pop on over, like I am actually very good at this. Um, and I think that's a roadblock for a lot of people who maybe are are in an industry or on a career path that doesn't have necessarily a super linear one. And, you know, Johnny, I'm so curious about you, too, because you also do like 15 things and there isn't really like it's not med school, like there isn't a track for it. Right. So I'm curious. Yeah, um, I relate a lot, Aparna, to what you said about like the comparison thing. Um because I don't think, I mean, I, I feel like I, I, at the worst, at my worst, I am like trying to, I am comparing myself to others and like tallying up all the ways that I don't like stack up to this mm, person yeah. I decided that um, I'm going to envy for like the week or for the month right. or I whatever. Never is, <laughs> yes. I know, it's always like shifting. Yeah. It's never like the same person forever. You're like, oh, this week I have to be good at this? Great. Yeah, exactly. I think it's that's like, probably healthier. Like, oh, then, like, oh yeah that's true on. yeah but i have I, I feel like i have a few people who i like just intensely envy um well that sounds really true. healthy too so yeah. we're all healthy here <laughs> let me just <laughs> but for everyone I... listening at home this is a podcast of three healthy people <laughs> my therapist was like well are you like partly doing this because you're trying to like figure out how to navigate something okay. and i think that's part of it of like oh, okay, so if I, like, learn about or if I study how, like, this person kind of had a path in some way, it helps me. It gives me one more data point, I guess, of, like, what am I, what can I, like, imagine being possible at this point? And, like, yeah, what are, what is, what's everyone else doing? Am I doing okay? Am I, like, fitting in? Um, yeah, all that stuff, especially, like, in, like, our shared industries. Um, I feel like there's no... There's never any like signposts or like roots. Rarely. So... I mean, you're not supposed to succeed as an artist in the world, right? Like right. you're literally supposed <laughs> yeah. to be tortured or starving. And those are the two adjectives. Yeah. And then as soon as you have any kind of success, you're supposed to be like 
grateful and humbled to the point of, you know, yeah. like just face down on the ground <laughs> and then that's it. You know what I mean? Like, and stay down there. You should be so grateful. And it's like, and I also, I feel like very often success in our industry doesn't mean like it, you, there might be accolades, but there's not money or there's, yeah. you got to make a really awesome thing, but everyone hates it, you know, or the critics love it, but it gets dropped. It's like, yeah. it's so hard to tick all the boxes enough that you get to graduate to the next thing where you can tick enough boxes just to like survive. And, yeah. and at every step of the way, people are like, well, should have been a nurse. And it's like, well, it's, you know, it's just, it's like you're kind of damned if you do and down if you don't. But Johnny, I love what you said about like about using comparison to like um, find data points to like figure out if you are on a path that is logical in any way. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that only because as a friend, I thought you were going to say that. Oh, great. <laughs> because, <laughs> that's, because that's like a really like realistic version of like, oh, comparison can be useful because it helps you chart a path to like, you know, stay abreast of your passions whereas for me I'm just like oh I didn't know a person was allowed to have that now I want it too and so my jealousy Mm -hmm. is never like I want it instead like I'm like Uh everyone's biggest fan like I'm a I mean a partner you know that I'm like just a super fan of you and that's like how we first met and I I'm never embarrassed to tell someone I'm a fan like never and as a super fan of people I want everyone to succeed but then I I also want to come with so like when all my (laughs) friends when all my friends are like having a certain accomplishment, I like want to hang out, but that's actually not how it works. You know what I mean? Like the the people on the New York Times bestseller list are not all like at one party together. Right. And, Which or, I, or thought, was... I thought I'd get invited to that party when I got the list. I thought like I'd finally get in, invited right. to hang out with all the cool authors. Um, and it didn't happen. I think it's there postponed until no after COVID is what, <laughs> okay, is what I'm understanding. Right, right. God. Like, sometimes I will compare myself to someone just as, like, a trigger reaction. Like, oh, they have a Mm -hmm. cool thing. Oh, they're, like, shiny and important right now. And then if I actually think through, like, do would I want that thing? Like, imagine actually having it. I usually realize, like, oh, I don't actually want that. Or, like, that doesn't fit into what my goals are at all. So I think it is also just this thing in our industry or like I guess being human where you see like positive attention and you're like that is obviously what we all need or like what is automatically desired yeah yeah something that I um have like kind of tried to train myself to think about is like when I when I see like a, a deadline article about someone or whatever yeah um I've been trying to be like well, did you want this like five seconds ago before you found out about this thing? Mm. And like, I try to rewind and like, like two days ago, would this have been even on your map? And Mm. sometimes, and most of the time it it isn't. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So I don't actually care about this. Like, I don't want the thing that this person has. It's, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. I think more recently too, I've been identifying that I'm lazier than I realized or not lazy necessarily, but like I'm prioritizing other kinds of happiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more recently, I'll see someone get like a big, um, like, you know, more in like the graphic design side of things. I'll see someone get a huge gig and I'm like, that's so cool. That's awesome. I would have loved to work on that. And then I'm like, that was probably like nine months of revisions for yeah. like three logos. Like, I don't want that at all. And yeah. I would I would pay money or I would accept zero dollars to not do that. And it's like, well, great, because that's exactly what you did. Yeah. It all works out. Um, yeah. 
what? So I, I feel like I, I steered us negative, which is very me to do as a Jewish <laughs> person. Um, but what what single work of, of any scale that you've done, you know, in the last 10 years, like, are you are you most proud of or or most proud of today? Because I feel like, you know, it's hard to pick a baby. Hmm. I feel like in that sense, I sort of am like a goldfish in that once I finish a thing, I like completely forget yeah. why I wanted to do it in the first place. And I'm like, is this even good? Like, I don't know what this is. And like, even when people are like, I love this thing you did. I'm just like, did I do that? I don't even remember. It's like I completely black out during the creative process. So I almost feel like, and maybe I should blame the internet, but I almost feel like the things I'm most satisfied by are literally like the last little joke I thought of. Yeah. Like literally if I did a tweet earlier this morning, I'll be like, well, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I, but I completely relate. Like I think. Yeah. I was kind of leading leading the witness here, but that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Like whatever's most recent, I love, and everything else is terrible. Yeah, which is yeah. I don't know if that's the healthiest mentality, but it might be partially stand up brain too, where people are always mm -hmm. like, "You're only as good as your last set" or whatever. Where you're like, "Well, at least as of like five hours ago, I still can create humor <laughs> or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's almost like a prerequisite too to like being a writer or like a like an artist quote. I'm for the people listening. I'm doing like air quotes when I say like artist. <laughs> yeah, creative. Johnny's doing air quotes. I can say artist without air quotes now. Oh, that's nice. That, I'm very proud of you for that. I, for the I record, um, I didn't blush or like I I no change in face at all. I can say artist and I can say Urban Outfitters with a straight face. Oh man, I'm so proud yeah. of you. Truly, it's years of practice. Is why. <laughs> Uh, Johnny, what are you proud of? Yeah, I think there's, um, I think I'm proud of my books, but I think like, I, I have such a weird relationship to I, it's the same thing that you're saying, Aparna, it's, it's like, I feel like I don't know who wrote them. Like, I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like me at the moment gets to take credit for mm. something that someone else did. Like that when people are like, oh, I love what you wrote in this or it really spoke to me. I'm like, that's really nice. I wish like I could tell the person I was three years ago that <laughs> because I feel like I don't I in a way I feel like I've given up ownership of it by like mm -hmm. growing as a or like changing or just like getting older or whatever that like um, like I don't think I could write any of the things that I've written as who I am now, right? Like it's yeah. Like if I had to go back and like do everyone's an alien, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes that's almost the point is to like take a thing that's in you and like put it somewhere else so that you can free up space or, or move on? I think so. And I think that that kind of is like that, uh, maybe the like creative or the artistic like instinct too of like, because I think if, like, I did one thing and I just, like, loved it and celebrated it all the time, I would not make anything else, right? Like, yeah. there's... Yeah, totally. There's, there wouldn't be a reason to keep doing stuff. And so I think there is that element of, like... I always think of things as, like, time capsules of, like, here is the best possible way for me to, like, remember who I am at this moment because in a year I'm not going to be that person. And so it's nice yeah. to have, like... A, a very imperfect like incomplete 
um, but still like tangible thing that lets me look at it and be like, oh, this like reminds me of, of a version of this. That seems like the most functional way to make anything anyway is because like, you know, your best will always change as you get better. And so mm-hmm. you've sort of described another way of arriving at the same conclusion, which is just like, yeah, do your best, but it won't be perfect. Let go of that. Yeah. And I think it's the same way we, like if you read a book or watch a movie or hear a song at different points in your life, you'll like relate to it differently, I think is maybe the flip side of yeah. that, where it's like I've tried to read books in different parts of my life and then I'll come back to it later and I'll be like, oh, I love this, even though earlier I like couldn't get into it. So I think we just, yeah, we're always evolving. And I think even our tastes of what we take in is always changing too. Yeah. Aparna, I had a question for you about mm-hmm. evolving. Um, I So I was looking at like old interviews of yours, which I apologize in advance for doing that. <laughs> and then for Why? telling you that I did that. Am I going to be canceled? No, you know, I just was like, Adam, like you're a podcast host now. So like, this is what you do. You like research the questions. And um, my friend, my friend Debbie Millman has a podcast called Design Matters. And her mm-hmm. research is why i mean she is just like a professional and so i am you know again by being healthy and you know doing healthy things i'm comparing this podcast to her 15 years of experience um (laughs) and her like 30 years of experience as an educator so i did some research and you described yourself five years ago as neurotic and introverted and Mm -hmm. i'm just wondering how you feel about that now like are those constants or do you think that you've change do you think that you've evolved like five years is not a lot of time but then in the internet it's kind of it's like it's like at least a decade on the internet yeah for sure but then 2020 was like a decade so it's probably like two decades two decades yeah 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 um have i changed i honestly i think when i was younger i did think like there were certain things you could grow out of like i was a shy kid and i was like when i grow up i'm not gonna be shy but i do think there are just parts of my nature that are like there is part of me that is just an introverted person and like if i'm around people for a long time i just need to recharge and like have some time away and and i think i just have an overthinking brain and i don't think that's gonna change So I think it's learning to just adapt and manage them. And sometimes they feel like hindrances, but I think I've learned to kind of just be like, this is part of my deal. And, and I kind of, I will work with what I have rather than be like, I wish I was different. Yeah. Do you feel like you've like learned how to deal with things? Like for, cause for me, I'm like, I feel the same way, but I feel like I've got, I've like gotten better at like the skills that it takes to like sustain a conversation. I think it's like not, I don't know. It's like people always ask me like, what do you do to manage your anxiety? And it's like never an exciting answer. It's like, (laughs) I try to, you know, I try to meditate. I, I take walks, I drink water. Like it, I wish I had like a magic cure. Like, you know, I sit in a room and I light a candle and I cover (laughs) myself in silk or whatever, but it's never, yeah, it's always just like the most basic stuff. Like literally like getting enough sleep is so Mm. big for my brain and I so easily often let it go. And then I'm like, 
if you got enough sleep, you actually would be having a much better week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've like gotten to identify that. Where like specifically around envy, I think like whenever I feel like I have a day where I'm really jealous of people or like just feel that yeah. intense envy and like the self-hatred that comes with it. I always I've started being like how much sleep did I get last night and it's yeah. it's a one-to-one it's so correlated it's uh it's like it's so direct that it's fun to have like those those I guess skills to like know I know but it is, it does make you realize it's just like constant work it's like the same way you show up to your job it's just like I feel mm-hmm. like managing my brain is just like I have to do the things or it's gonna be more difficult and it took me so long to just put that together i think there are people who are still putting it together or who maybe never get there so at least to have that awareness um to know that you in particular need need sleep or water or like the right light or yeah you know whatever it is i mean people people ask me all the time like what do you do to like manage your your mood swings or your feelings or whatever and i'm always just like well one do i seem like someone who's managed that because <laughs> i i didn't think so and then two i'm just like um you know take take your prescribed medication if you have something like like yeah. sometimes it people want the answer like you described people want the answer to be candles and silk but like the answer is that science is real and the answer is the more you can learn about brain chemistry and yeah, the, the cause and effect of it all, like the more tool, tools you'll have to, to navigate things. And I, something that I've been working on this year is am I hungry or am I anxious? Ooh. And it's usually anxious, but I, I'm not always aware <laughs> of that until I'm also sated. So that's, I mean, that's been the theme of, of COVID for me is like... Ben and Jerry's, man, that's really, it was, that's, I mean, we, it was just, it was a rough year and it was so easy to play this game of like, is it like, this is self-care. And I had this moment of like, is this self-care or is this a symptom of depression? Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. the line is often very blurry. Like a lot of the things that people suggest for self-care, like, um, buy a bunch of stuff that you don't need is also exactly like, uh, you know, uh, a symptom of not being well. Sorry, this is, I, none of this is on the notes. Now I'm just sharing. You guys can invoice me after. Uh, How do you, okay, so how do you, how do you know when it's time to change? How do you know when it's time to be like, all right, something's not working. Like, let's suss out what it is. Or, or has there been a, a specific moment for you when there was like a sign from the universe or within or both that was like, we're going to change this thing now? I think sometimes I, well, even just taking the example of anxiety, I think I, and depression, I think part of what helped me change was just for a long time, I think I held on to them as like, coping mechanisms even though they were very unpleasant and uncomfortable and would like take up days and weeks sometimes of my life and derail me like I think I just was so used to them as like a weirdly dysfunctional coping mechanism that I was like no but this is what you deserve and this is what you know and I think it took me a really long time to be like no you can still be a person without these things like they're not so critical to your brain like 
I think I just thought because they had always taken up so much space for so long that I couldn't really like exist without them. And I know that's part of the lie of, of both of those things, but I think it, it took like conscious work to be like, you can be a person without these things. Like they are not your identity. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's really hard to see past something like that when it feels like core to your identity. And mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like, oh, this is my illness. It feels like this is my personality. Like, haha, yeah. I'm this person. And even when you figure out that you don't have to live that way, sometimes you're afraid to let go yeah. of it because you think it informs, especially maybe in creative spaces, you think it informs your your art or your writing or your comedy. And yeah, it's it's sad to get stuck in that trap. And I feel like for me in the last year... I personally like have been really happy and then sad that I wasn't happy sooner where I'm just like, Oh no, like you, you actually wasted so much time. It didn't have to be that way. Like, and it's not that I'm a radically different person. It's just that it's a little easier to like be a person. I just wish I had known. And of course I did know we all know, like everyone listening is like, yeah, 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 no shit. But knowing and feeling are not the same things. And I think that's often the disconnect. Yeah. But I think it's also like it's hard to know too. Like it's easy to know mm-hmm. now if right. like if you're, if you're if you're out of it or whatever, but I think like I've yeah, I've been in I think I've spent a lot of years like in that phase of just being completely like overwhelmed and in depressive episodes and like feeling like stuck in it. Um and it's hard it is hard because like i i feel I, I feel out of that particular phase even though i still like have a lot of like depression and go through a lot of depressive episodes i think like being out of like that those like the three year long phase of that um mm-hmm. it's kind of like i don't know how i don't know maybe i'm trying like I, I part of me is like i don't know how i could have gotten out of that earlier and I still don't know how I really got out of it at all you know yeah like I think there's that like amount of I don't, I don't know if it, if the answer I don't know what the answer is but I don't know if it's just like the the time was important in in that equation or if it was just like feels kind of ran- like there are times where I think like oh I could still be in that like if if like mm-hmm. some random yeah. thing happened or didn't happen or like I just like went in a slightly different direction on a particular day feeling maybe I would still be in that. Um, and it's like weird. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think also there is no answer. Like when you said, I don't know what the answer is like, and, and for everyone listening, like there is no answer. Just like you can't ask someone what medication they're taking. It's like our brains are just really different. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to accept because we want, you know, we want the testimonial. I want, you know, like what worked for Kim K? I want what she has, but (laughs) I, you know, it's just not how it goes. Do you, I have a question for you guys. Do you feel like talking about mental um, health and mental illness in your work has at all changed your relationship to your own mental illness? Should I go, Adam? Do you want to? You go. I, I'm going to okay. collect my thoughts. I, 
I, um, I How think dare so. you ask me a question on my podcast? <laughs> I, the tables have turned. Ah, we got you. Um, yeah, Adam, I was wondering if you could talk about... <laughs> uh, I, I, um, no, I think like... Yes, I think it has helped me understand it better or like if not understand it it's helped me understand like how i would be able to mm, process mm-hmm. it or like it's given me more words because i think especially well i think with both of the books particularly um a lot of it is trying to find the right words for a feeling yeah and yeah. um the challenge is like if it doesn't feel right i'm not gonna put it in yeah. the book right and so whatever ends up in those is something that feels right to, to me and like yeah. how to how to get those words right and that's been helpful because then when that feeling pops up again now I'm like oh I did a bunch of work to like figure out how I can think about this or how I can like mm-hmm. articulate mm-hmm. it and just in doing that it doesn't like make the thing the feeling go away yeah. and it it doesn't like make me like not like magically not depressed anymore right 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 but it's it gives me a little more of like a personal like tool for me to be like okay i've written about it in this way or i've thought about it this way and that helps yeah yeah i mean it's like journaling but like with an editor and also two years it's like you yeah. really collected your <laughs> thoughts and then like picked them apart and like rearticulated them and then proved them to like a, a room of people that want to sell them and then yeah. they decided that your thoughts were also valid well the, i like the other validated sorry no, go ahead i i was just gonna say that also like with everyone's an alien like you say so much without saying it like mm-hmm. you have such a beautiful grasp on subtlety which is something that i love and appreciate and do not understand and so <laughs> no i really like that's not a joke i i i want to be subtle and I, I don't know how to say what I want to say without just saying it. And Johnny, went, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it is a tweet. Sometimes it's 10 words. And I'm like, Johnny just captured something. And like, I, you know, I'm better at it now. Like, I don't text you every single time you say something that speaks it's to me. It's very sweet when you do but, it, <laughs> But it's because sometimes it just hits you. And it is like, it, it can be really overwhelming to be like a human person has just articulated how I feel, but without screaming it. Thank you. And um, and that's, there's a lot of power there. Thank mm-hmm. you. I feel like the reason for that is because I'm like deeply embarrassed about myself at all times. And so, like, I know that, it's... but it doesn't mean that the end result isn't. <laughs> but there, I think there is like, <laughs> when I, when I do, when I like do something and I read it, I'm like this, sucks or like I'm I feel I embarrassed is the wrong word but I think I like critique myself into yeah subtlety as opposed to like anyone who's read your most recent book has spent some time in your brain and when I was in your brain I was like I need to leave because it was (laughs) so because I I related to parts of it like the the point a to point b to point a to point b c d back to a like I felt Mm -hmm. it but it was a different kind of chaos than mine and oh. it's like, I know how to navigate mine, but yeah. being in yours was different. And then also like the empathy that I have for you as a friend, I was like, I knew that this is what it was like, but I wish that it wasn't. But then yeah. also seeing the response to that book, I understand for a lot of people, it is exactly that. Yeah. And that was another like beautiful, 
I mean, less subtle, subtle trick of like, hey, you're all going to join me in this brain right now. And I just think, I think it's so special how, how both of you are able to do that, how you're both able to like translate these experiences into something that we can experience. And before when you did air quotes around the word artist, Johnny, I wanted to like reach into the screen and like, you know, um, grasp your hands. hands. (laughs) No, grasp your hands in like a loving way. Like, you know, when your mom grabs your hand, but she's mad at you. So she squeezes slightly too hard. (laughs) I was going to do that one because it's like you're of course you're an artist. Like, of course you are. You are, you know, you're feeling things deeply and you're translating them into this tangible thing that you can get out of your brain but then also people can find themselves in and to me that's like such a gift to give other people and I feel like I'm not like a legacy person or I'm not obsessed with that but there is something about like putting yourself into art and then letting the art live and like Aparna I think of you like two or three times a week because you have a joke about um, dropping your pills and what it would be like to pick them all up and you so Aparna performed at the release of my pick me up journal in 2016 and that was totally me being a fanboy like can you come to my book party at the store (laughs) and you did that joke and every time I like open my pill bottle if I'm like a little like every and I drop like I do drop you know you drop one and you're like oh no that's $40 like come back and I just I think of you every time and I'm I'm not going to like DM you like thought of you today when I dropped my medicine <laughs> but just to have taken that experience and put it into an art that can just like live you know there's probably like a hundred or, or now everyone listening to this podcast like when they drop their meds they're going to think of, of you and they're going to look up that <laughs> sketch online and I don't know how do you, do you ever do you think about that do you think about the way that your life and experience lives on in your art? And this is a question for both well, of you. I mean, this goes back to the, like, short attention span. Like, I'll forget what, like, old jokes. And actually, I saw, like, a bunch of pills spilled on the street the other day. And it reminded me of that joke. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you wrote that. And <laughs> it was funny because for a second, I was like, oh, my God, that is relatable. Like, it was almost like I was thinking about if it was another comedian who told that (laughs) joke. And I was like, hey, that's pretty good. Um, (laughs) But I don't, yeah, I don't think about it all the time. But I do think, yeah, like, if I come up with something more recent, like a newer joke, I will be, like, kind of satisfied with it for a while of, like, glad I came up with, like, that idea. Like, I guess just as a creative, you're kind of, your last inspiration is what's currently exciting you. Mm. So um, I think it had been enough time since I wrote that joke that seeing seeing it in front of me again, I was a little <laughs> bit re- re-inspired by it. <laughs> there was something about that joke in particular too that I loved because it was also you being like, yep, I, I do take pills. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. at that time, I don't think I had ever expressed publicly that I was on medication, even though it, so many people mm. are. I was still afraid of that. I mean, this podcast is like an exercise in me speaking things that I've never spoken before. Because for me, um, and Johnny, I want to hear your answer to the previous question too. But for me, I have really avoided putting too much truth into my work when it comes to like mental illness specifically, because I'm trying to make tools for a lot of people. Like, you know, the guided journals are interactive stuff like that where I'm like I don't want to put a diagnosis or mention 
something prescriptive because that might exclude you or trigger you or be something that you tried that didn't work. And I think I got so used to that that I just hid this thing and became almost ashamed of it. Yeah, imagining dropping my pills and someone seeing them and being like, he takes that, you know, it's like, (laughs) I don't know. And like, I act, I rem, I like I think of your joke of Parna too the the exact same joke because <laughs> I remember when I saw that or heard it for the first time it was almost like a like you're giving permission to other people to yes 100% to, to like to for them to talk about it either to other people or like even just internally um, mm. but I think like just that mentioning of it and just in general I think when when stuff gets specific um, it becomes I don't, I'm trying to like articulate this, but like, I think like I have the fear of like not mentioning too much too. Cause I don't want to like, yeah. like um, push people away. But I think there's also an element of like, when I mention it, other people are like brought into it. It's like a, well, it's a welcoming thing. It's like a gesture of, yeah. of generosity instead of like a, a pushing people away thing. And so I think I've like tried to lean into that more and like the, spe- the idea of like specificity and like just being more, um, specific in like what you want to be vulnerable about helps because i think there i'm sure there will be people who read this and think like that's not for me or whatever yeah um, like you guys say but i think there's another element of people who will see it and be like oh my god i didn't know we could talk about this yeah you know yeah and it creates like a deeper permission and that i think that deeper connection with one person is more valuable than like a surface connection with three people who are grateful that you said mm-hmm. mental health instead of mental illness. I feel like right. even even the the semantics around that. I mean, that's the thing like a part of the, when I first saw you perform this particular joke and we will stop talking about this literal one thing <laughs> that you did many years ago very shortly but but even even 5 years ago I don't think that we were using the the phrase mental illness in that like Instagram mm. like enlightenment meme space like it was i feel like mental illness only became okay to utter like since covid like it Mm. really was it was mental health mental wellness like mental well-being and now it's like no like tiktok like we're all gonna die soon it's mental illness i have a mental illness like one in four people has a mental illness and you know i have felt this way a long time too about like anxiety you know like quirky necklace that says anxiety on it and I'm like, where is my like bipolar keychain or like my psychosis <laughs> socks? Like, like somehow anxiety became like a safe one and depression to an right. extent, a safe one. But I, I just, uh, the whole culture around, uh, around like mental health positivity, you know, like uh, representation yeah. of mental illness. It's, it's, it's f- weird. And I just think that yeah. you were very in my mind, very early days to like normalizing, but not like with a pastel gradient. Share this with 10 of your your best <laughs> mental illness pals. You know, it, it was just like, yeah, no, this is the thing. And I'm just, did you ever think about that as like, I'm doing something that's going to be important to people? Or is it just like nice that it was? I mean, I think I, when I started talking about it, I didn't feel like I was doing anything new because a lot of stand-ups I looked up to had talked about it openly in their work. And I don't know if it was just like a moment that the culture was opening up conversationally about it. Because I definitely didn't feel like I was the first by any means. Like I looked up to Maria Bamford as a comedian for a really long time. And like I know Patton Oswalt, Mark Marin have talked about it at length, like depression and 
So I think, yeah, I, I don't think I felt like I was breaking any new ground, but I, I did feel like the more I kind of talked about it in my work and especially like on Twitter and stuff, I did notice like the conversation around it changing. And I do agree with you in that, like the increasing commodification of it did start to make me feel a little weird where I was like, well, I, I didn't want this to be a brand. Like I yeah. just was kind of trying to communicate my experience that it, yeah, it is weird to me that it's now like, are you in the anxiety club <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the sad girls club? I mean, and that like, is my brand. So I, I you know, we're, we're, we're all members of both clubs. Oh my but, God. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Relentless. But, but I do think it kind of like changes your relationship to them where you're like, well, this isn't something I like a hobby. Right. Yeah. It's, it's forced me to like be more aware of like how I want to talk about it too. Cause it mm-hmm. isn't just like, like, like who all's depressed here? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like retweet for depression, like for bipolar, you know, <laughs> right. DM for psychosis. <laughs> right. But there, yeah, I think, but I think like, I mean, this might be going too deep, but like, I think like there are a lot of people on the internet who really hate me because I think they've seen, and I've read all of it <laughs> because I hate myself. Oh, no. <laughs> but I think there, there's, uh, there are people who like have the argument that like, work like mine um, has made it too general or it has like helped change the conversation around it like in like a cutesifying way. Or, I think like, that's giving a... you a lot of credit. I think the haters, know, the haters like, sound like they love you. <laughs> yes. All your haters are like, Johnny Sun changed the entire conversation around mental illness nomenclature. People will just always hate everyone. And, and it's corny yeah. to be yeah. earnest. And there are people who are just not ready for it. And yeah. that's also like not your audience, you know? And yeah. I, I think I, yeah. the older we yeah. get, there's like, there's a whole younger audience of people who don't have to grow up with like the same shame or like the same version of like what's safe or cool. Like what's the cool way to talk that's about right. your mental illness? Yeah. It's like, they can just talk about it and they love their like anthropomorphic eggs or like mental, like on TikTok, like you've reached a mental health checkpoint. Here's like an anthropomorphic blob or like, like there's so many of those like cute things now that are genuinely helping people that like, if anything, it's a gift to have maybe led the way. And yeah, if a 40 year old like man doesn't relate, that's okay. He doesn't have to shop at Claire's. Like, what are you doing here? You know, you completely identified the exact type of person who makes all those oh. tweets. Again. Yeah, I mean, of course, <laughs> Johnny, I don't even have straight male fans. If you're a straight man listening to this podcast, you're here because of Aparna and Johnny or, you know, you work at my publisher. Um, okay, let's do let's do a last question. Is there anything that you would like to ask me or each other that you've never in, in years of sort of knowing each other online peripherally? Um, that you've never had the opportunity to ask? Well, you were kind enough to send some of the questions ahead of time, and you did say that Johnny likes to cook a lot. So I might selfishly ask for an easy vegetarian recipe that I could whip up when I don't have a lot of time. Okay, I have a great one. Oh, great. You should try um, steamed egg. Have you tried oh, that? No. It's a it's a recipe my mom used to make a lot. 
um, which I forgot about completely. And then I like in kind of writing the book actually, and in thinking more about my parents, um, I remembered and like kind of reconnected with it. It's uh, like it's a it's a Chinese dish, yeah. um, but you you basically like beat an egg, mm-hmm. um, and you combine like equal parts egg and like warm water, and you beat all of that. And then you put it in a bowl and you put that bowl in like a pot with like a centimeter of like boiling water and okay. then you cover the pot for like okay. um i think like eight or nine minutes or something yeah um and the idea is that like the steam will cook the runny egg yeah and it'll set in a way that like is almost just like soft tofu mm. and so it, like kind of jiggles it's super like silken mm. and you just um like top it with like soy sauce and sesame oh oil it's so, so good it's delicious i will send you thank a recipe you. for it yeah that sounds thank so good you. that's great i feel like the follow-up to this recipe would be like if i don't have water is it okay to use orange juice <laughs> <laughs> do you ever just read the comments on like new york times cooking like i didn't have yeah, chocolate chips oh, so or nice. eggs so i used raisins and it wasn't good right i love the ones where it's like a fish recipe and it's like I used chicken and I also subbed in celery for yeah. radishes and it didn't turn out great. Yeah. <laughs> One star. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> thank you both so much for, for doing this. And I'm sorry I kept you long. It was just so great to like see your faces and, and hear what you had to say. And I really, this podcast is just a scam to like talk to people that have inspired me and, you know, in, in a small way kind of kept me alive the last couple of years so just thank you for for what you do and you know don't stop unless you want to johnny maybe like a small stop yeah you know just like a i think that'd be nice at some point yeah yeah <laughs> um where can we find you on the internet let's let's end with that uh, my twitter my twitter and my instagram are the same they're just a par napkin um apa R-N-A-P-K-I-N. Um, I'm on, I'm Johnny Sun on Twitter and Instagram. Um, this has been wonderful. I'm, I'm just grateful for you both. I'm such a big fan of you. And I want you to just like have all the success and happiness. Now I'm talking like it's either your birthday or your funeral. <laughs> My mom does this anytime like we're like parting ways after a visit. She just like very rapidly whispers a lot of stuff like this. Like I'm so proud of you and you're doing good things. And like, you know, it's always like it might be the last time we see each other. And I feel myself doing that. Oh, God. Well, I love you both. I'm very, I'm very happy. Yeah. Grateful. All right. Thanks again. Talk to you later. You've been listening to You Are Here For Now, the podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And pick up a copy of my book, You Are Here For Now, for yourself or someone you love at your favorite bookstore or adamjk.com. Until next time, be kind to yourself and remember, you are here, but you're not alone.